Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Bolzano. We are blessed that have all that we have. And I'm so blessed with last week's ministry. Peter, great job. I was going to follow up this message, your message last week, on a message entitled After Pentecost. And I was going to take us through the book of Acts, showing some of those individuals who were baptized in the Spirit in that upper room. And it's a, quite a, a cool study. But God changed my plan at 3 a.m. in the morning when you had a migraine. I'm having a feeling that you were messing with me. I think it was like this. God, I'm up with a migraine. Please wake Pastor Jim up too. <laughs> 3 a.m. this morning, I wake up. I'm wide awake, and I'm sitting there pondering things and pondering the Scripture. And, and so I go down to my office at 3.30, and I don't often preach what the calendar dictates. You know, if it's Mother's Day, I might preach a Mother's Day sermon. Most likely I won't, all right? Um, typically I won't preach just a Father's Day sermon because it's Father's Day. While it's Thanksgiving, I gotta preach a Thanksgiving. I, I don't get caught up in all that. But that being said, I believe at three o'clock this morning, God was telling me, preach a Father's Day message. Thank you, Jesus. You couldn't have told me this on Thursday? Of course, he might have been trying to. Maybe I wasn't listening. I don't know, all right? And so I'm going to, and listen to me, it's not just for fathers. You'll get nuggets out of it, so it won't matter who you are. And so I began to ponder with a scripture. Let me give you the title. The title this morning, we're going to call it The Son's Glory. All right, The Son's Glory. Do I click this thing or do you click that thing? I think you have to start it back. There we go. Oh, whoa, whoa, back up. Okay, we'll stop right there. I love having a clicker, man. I can go all over the place. Right? I want to begin with this scripture found in Proverbs 17. Grandchildren are the crown of old men. And all the granddads said, amen. Let me tell you something. I'm just gonna say, there's just nothing better. Than, I mean, like being a dad was awesome, but being a granddad is really cool because you get to do all the fun stuff and send them home and all that stuff. But there's just some really cool stuff about being a grandpap that's different than being a dad. They're not more special than your kids were. They're just nicer, Okay. I, I, yesterday I go down to see Liam. He's playing, and Owen was in his first t-ball practice. By the way, I think this team, we're gonna, it, it's called Miles Brothers. It's made up of the transformation kids. Parker's on it, Owen's on it, Liam's on it, Blaze is on it. I mean, we got, we got all these kids from the church on this team. Man, I hope they don't start cursing during a game. <laughs> all right. But, um, you know, so, so I'm, I'm going over to the thing and had to walk way behind Logan. And as I'm walking towards where they're playing ball, I can see her running. There she came from about 200 yards away. Here comes Carson because she saw Pappy. I mean, you know, Pappy's like, that's right. It's my grandkid running for me. That's right. Huh? It's awesome. Grandchildren are the crown of old men. But I didn't like this verse because now it told me I'm old. <laughs> and the glory of sons is their father. And the glory of sons is their fathers. Man, I, this is an interesting verse. Uh, let me give it to you in a, um, there we go. See how that, did you see how that worked? I shook that thing. There's another verse. Then children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. I wanted to give it to you in, in two different versions, one being son, and some of you who check out on the son word, I'll give you children, all right? Because, you know, it's for both men and women. 
And you look at this scripture, and what does this word mean? This word that the, the glory of the children. Well, it means this. It means the beauty, the splendor, the glory, the beauty, the finery, as in jewelry. And okay, of rank or renown, glorying, boasting of an individual. How many of you like to boast about your God? Okay, I got a few over here. You guys are a little slow in the draw over here. You're going to have to get up a little bit, all right? Come on, we should be boasting about our God on a routine basis. And so what's this verse saying? This verse is saying that the beauty of children is their father. The splendor of children is their father. The glory of the children is their father. The boasting of the children. Biblically speaking, fathers are someone whom a child can boast in. How many of you ever boasted about your dad? How many of you are breathing this morning? You sucked all the air out of them last week. Like, it's okay. Listen to me. Can I tell you it's okay to boast about your dad? Can I tell you it's okay? You have no problem boasting about your kids or your grandchildren. Biblically speaking, fathers are someone for whom the children can glory in. The Bible says that we dads can be the glory of our children. Hmm. That we can live a life that our children are proud of. We can live a life that our children can boast about. We can live a life that our children can glory in. Now, now before I go any farther, I want you to hear something. This is not going to be a beat the men up message. All right? We don't need any more beat the men up messages in our nation right now. There is an attack on masculinity that is ridiculous and it is nonsensical and it needs to stop. All right? We are not better than women, but we are not women. I just want you to know, I ain't like you ladies. Well, every once in a while I get into my metrosexual side. Okay. I do have like shoes. I do like shoes. Okay. Well, maybe. All right. Okay. But the (laughs) the point of the matter is this. We are different. Designed by God to be different. But there is an attack I mean, if you read scholarly articles and you read some of the stuff that's out there, it's insane. All right, we have enough messages out there trying to demasculize men. Rather, this is a message that's going to challenge you. And indeed, it may have some moments that hurt. It may pierce our hearts at times. It may cause us to have introspection. But it's a message that's going to call us higher. Not based upon negative context, but rather the design that God has for you and me as fathers. We are esteeming to go higher based upon the positive design of God's plan, not the negative. All right, so how do I do that? How do I live this life that my children can boast about? How do I live this life that my children can glory in? How do I do that as a father? Well, I'm gonna begin with this. You can be the glory of your children. Listen to me, man because you are the glory of God. The Bible says you are the glory of God. Here's a scripture, all right? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. For a man ought not to have his head covered. This is not about prophecy and praying, but we're not talking about this morning. I just want you to catch what he means. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. He is the image and glory of God. When you go back into the Old Testament, you go back to Genesis chapter one, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. 
And God fashions this man. God gives him authority. And God gives him dominion. And God gives him all of these different things to be the image and the glory of God. All right? This word image, I was blown away. It comes from the Greek word icon. Means you guys, we are an icon. Turn to your wife and say, I'm an icon, baby. All I heard is laughter. Was that her responding or was that you even thinking it? All right? Like, like you, you can look. I, I, I'm an icon. Penny, I'm an icon. That's right. Jason, you're an icon. And that's a stretch by faith. All right? Listen, it means, it means all these different things. The image of things. The moral likeness of a renewed man to God. The image of the Son of God into which true Christians are transformed. The holy and blessed state of mind which Christ possesses. All right? To Christ on account of his divine nature and his absolute moral excellence. You see, let me tell you what. I looked up this word icon in dictionary.com. All right? Listen to this. Listen to this. It says, a picture, an image, or a representation. In the Eastern Church, get this, a representation of some sacred personage as Christ, a saint, or an angel, painted usually on a wood surface and venerated as itself sacred. Get this. You are an icon. You are an image. You are the representation of God. You are the face of God to the world. You are the face of God painted upon the canvas of human flesh so that the world can see Jesus. It blew me away, the definition of the word and how it matches up with what the Bible says. You are the representation of God painted in the hearts of human flesh. You are the person of Jesus painted on human flesh to reveal him. I don't know about you, but I'm already feeling challenged. That I am the representation, the image of Christ. You see, let me say this to you this morning. The highest calling of men is not being a father or a husband. But rather, it is being the image of God. You see, the highest calling that you and I have in our life is to be like him. Is to be his image. All right? Because listen to me. If you will fulfill being his image... You will be the father you need to be and you will be the husband you need to be because you're doing it in the image of Christ. You see, we got to esteem and say, wait, 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 this isn't about me becoming a better father. This isn't about me becoming a better husband. This is about me becoming like Jesus and becoming the image of Christ. Now, the highest calling is not being a father or husband. Our success in being a father and husband is found in being his image. Stop focusing on trying to be a better father. Be a better image of Christ. But I promise you, within that, you will find how to be a better father. You're the icon. The highest calling is not being a father or not being a husband, but rather it is being the image of God. But in the image of God, you fulfill your calling to be husbands and fathers. And there goes the brand new baby that was born last week, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Danielle, what's her name? Amelia. Hello, Amelia. Everybody wave to Amelia. <laughs> How dare that one-week-old baby make noise in our service? <laughs> Doesn't she know I'm preaching? She's not paying attention? All right. Now listen to me. So, so I want you to understand something for a moment. Listen to me. You can be the glory 
of your children because you have to understand from an identity perspective, you're the glory of God. You're the image of God. And if you will live up to that, I promise you that your children will take glory in who you are. Now let's move on. Say, please do, hurry up. We have Father's Day dinner, all right? This glory thing, all right, it means to be an um, opinion, an estimate. In the New Testament, it always means a good opinion concerning a person, resulting in praise, honor, and glory. Do you understand this? I want you to catch something for a moment. In a day and age in which we live with all the negative attacks on who men are, God has a high opinion of you. God has a high opinion of you. God holds you in high esteem. God wants you to be his glory. With the glory of God, with the image of God. It's, it's an amazing scripture when you think about this. Me? I know what some of you are thinking right away. Yeah, but if you only knew what lurked in my heart. How many know we all got something that lurks in our hearts? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Let me tell you about that pride that's lurking in your heart and you didn't even admit to it. Right? If you only knew it, but see, the problem, is, the problem isn't that it lurks there. The problem is when you act on it. I often say, had a hundred men been on the top of that roof with David, all hundred men would have thought the same thing when they saw naked Bathsheba. But not all hundred would have acted on it. You, you see, you're the glory of God. You are God's design. You are glory. You say, but how can that be? Well, let me say something. First of all, I want you to hear this. That, that while all of creation, the Bible says, declares his majesty, think about this. All of creation declares his majesty Nothing else of creation carries his image. No dog, Penny, carries the image of God. <laughs> no, no, no. There is no dog carries the image of God. There is no horse. There is no cow. There is no whatever other pets you got. Birds, parakeets, fish, frogs, lizards, whatever you want to say. There is nothing. There's no tree. I'm glad I don't worship a tree. There's only one thing that carries the image and glory of God, and that is the man that he designed. You see, because here's what happens. You say, but how does that happen? How can I possibly be that? Well, see, you can be the glory of your children because you're transforming from glory to glory. Let me start with this. See, the design of God is for you to be his image and glory. But you will never become the image and glory of God until you become born again. Until you are born anew from above because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. And when you put your faith in what he did on Calvary's cross, when you believe in him as the son of God, you become born anew from above. And when you become born anew from above, how many know the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit takes residence with inside of you? And how many know he's going to rearrange the furniture? And it's a good thing. All right? I'm not talking about the baptism. I'm talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit who seals you, the Bible says. Right? And he moves in. And now he begins to transform you and mold you and shape you. How many of you are a better person today because you got saved a number of years ago? How many of you are better today than you went there? All right? The rest of you who aren't, get saved today. Okay? You are better now 
than you were because of the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you who is changing you from glory to glory. All right, think about this verse. This verse found in 2 Corinthians 3. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I mean, know you're a work in process. I mean, know you're a work in progress. Aren't you glad you're a work in progress? Let me tell you what, I'm 55 years old. I know, I know, I know, I know. I look 35. It's okay. All right? Uh, okay? I, I'm 55 years old, and God's got a whole lot of work to do yet. Thank you for not yelling amen. I thought for sure there would be one smart aleck that would scream that out. We are at work. In, because God esteems us and holds us in high regard that he would send his son to die on a cross, that I can be born anew from above, and he would put his Holy Spirit inside of me, and now I am being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's an awesome thing to think about, all right? This work of transformation, the work of the Spirit is to bring you an even greater dimension of God's plan from glory to glory. The only way that you can be the glory of God is to be molded by the Spirit of God. He molds, he shapes, all right? You'll be a better husband, you'll be a better father. It is the role of the Spirit, Peter mentioned this last week, to help you kill the flesh. Amen? I wish it worked for dieting, <laughs> right? To, to, to kill the flesh, that fleshly nature, that carnal nature, right? Paul said this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. My failings as a father have come in flesh moments, not spirit moments. My failings as a husband have come in flesh moments, not spiritual moments. Amen? All right? For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for those who are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. All right? He goes on, he said, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But listen to me. So he comes in, and he molds, and he shapes, and he begins to kill the things that are of our carnal, fleshly nature. But then there's something incredibly cold that happens. Then the Bible says something else begins to take the place of those things. And we know it as the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many know those things will make you the image of God? How many know those things will make you the glory of God? How many know those things will make you a better father? I'm honest, I kid you not. They'll make you a better husband. How many know a loving husband is a better husband? A faithful husband is a better husband. How many know a joyful husband is a better husband? A good husband. I can go on and on. How many know it's better? But it only happens because of the glory that we're being transformed from glory to glory. Now, so here's what happens. You get saved, born anew from above. Holy Spirit moves in begins to mold and shape and get rid of and plant, and all of a sudden you're becoming a better dimension of what God planned. Now, here's what happens. I'm going to tell you now what happens in our life. That you, Dad, you will be 
the glory of your children if you will live for the glory of the Father. We are called, first and foremost, to live a life that brings glory to God the Father. Our highest calling is to bring glory to God. Our highest priority is to bring him glory. All of our lives should be spent living to bring glory to God. How do I know this? How many of you know we are to be a patterned after the image of Christ? Jesus lived with one thing in mind, and it was to bring glory to who? It was to bring glory to his Father. Jesus, the perfect priest, the Son of God, lived his life to bring glory to his Father. When you live for the glory of the Father, you're not living for the glory of self. And too much of our life is spent living to the glory of self and not the glory of the Father. We mask it sometimes. We disguise it sometimes. But let's be honest for just a moment. Sometimes it requires me killing self to glorify him. All right? Think about this, guys. When you live for the exaltation of the Father, you're no longer living of exaltation of self. When you're being faithful to the Father, you're living a life that your children can take glory in. That your children say, my dad was a faithful man of God. My dad was a man who sought the glory of God. His glory should be our ambition. His glory should be our priority. His glory should be our focus. If you live for his glory, I'm going to tell you something. He'll give you glory. You will be the glory of your children if you live for the glory of the Father. You will be the glory of the children if you will live for the glory of your bride. Uh-oh. If you will live for the glory of your bride, you will be the glory of your children. That my dad loved my mom. My dad made my mom more beautiful. My dad made her countenance more beautiful. Are you getting it? Remember what Paul said? Read Paul's writings. Husbands, love your wives. How, how do I do that, Jesus? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. Yeah, I often think about that scripture. I'm going to tell you what, I look in the mirror someday and I hate my own flesh. I just want you to know. All right? For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Hmm. The standard for how we love our bride is Jesus. The standard is not daddy. It's not the way dad did it. Dad might have done it great, praise God. How many know he was still, he was still flawed? Right? The, the standard is Jesus. The standard, it, it, the love for the bride is a sacrificial love. It's a self-denying love. It's a selfless love for the bride. It is a love, according to Scripture, that makes her more beautiful. So, sometimes, if we're honest, the reason she looks miserable is because we've made her miserable. Miserable. 
Hmm? Hey, right, you're getting really old and wrinkly. I didn't have these wrinkles till I married you. Listen to me for a moment. Some guys are hard to live with. Some ladies are hard to live with. Not mine. The dog, yeah, okay. It's a love that makes her more beautiful. It's a love that you love her as your own. The Bible says he who loves his wife loves himself. It's a nourishing love. It's a cherishing love. I mean, it's outlined here. And then it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Interesting. It doesn't say the three will become one flesh. It's not husband, wife, and mother. It's not husband, wife, and mother-in-law. <laughs> I got that on tape, Ruth. The two become one. It's not husband, wife, and job. Husband, wife, and Recreation, whatever. It's husband and wife become one. You want your kids to take glory in you? Love their mother. Love their mother. You want your kids to brag on you? Come on. My dad, my dad. My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's tougher than your dad. You want to brag on your dad? Huh? You want, to brag? you want your kids to brag on you? Take glory in you? Boast in you? Love, your, love their mother. Cherish their mother. Nourish their mother. You will be the glory of your children if you will live for the glory of the bride. I don't need that today. You will be the glory of the children if you will live for the glory of the children. <laughs> the moment that you have those little rascals running around, how many know it ain't about you anymore, Bubba? How many know that you might have started at the top of the totem pole, but you went down? I have been going down for 35 years. It was Penny and I, and then it was Nick. I dropped another one. Then it was Tony, and I dropped another one. Then we got the dog, and I dropped another one. <laughs> then we got another dog, and I dropped another one. And then we got a third dog, and I dropped another one. You're thinking, does this keep going? Yeah. Then we had grandkids, and I, oh, no, no, Eric came into the picture. I mean, I even dropped below Eric. <laughs> it's okay. I like Eric living in the house. I blame everything on him. Eric can do no wrong. How'd that get broke? Eric did it. Well, why'd you do that? Eric wanted to do it that way. Everything I blame on Eric, because it's okay. Eric can't do any wrong. Listen, when, when, when you have children, it's not about you anymore. All right? Think about uh, we, we We forget this, don't we? Like, I remember a guy telling me one time, I'm doing a counseling, and he was being all introspective. And yes, he said, I, I have, I, I found out that it's time for me to, it, it's time for me to just start to love myself more. And to make sure I take more time for me and love myself. Meanwhile, he's got three little kids running around. And I says, oh, what does that mean? And he told me. And so I looked at him in, in, in the nicest pastoral voice I could tell him. Sounds to me like you're a big old fat pity party. <laughs> just, like you're in a pity party, man. 
It ain't about you anymore, Bubba. Let me tell you what your life is. Your life is this. You get up in the morning. You get your kids ready for school. You help your wife get your kids ready for school. You both go to work. You work all day. You come home from work. And then you run them to practice. And you run them to after school activities. And then you get home from that. And then you do homework. And then you get them supper. And then you get them into bed. And then you can have whatever time's left for you. Can I get an amen? Men? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Knock it off. Stop it. Stop being such a baby. Like you, you, your life now is you live it for the glory of the children so the children can be the best that they are, right? How do I do that? Let me give you a couple of things. First of all, you gotta love them. I mean, I know it sounds like, you know, oh, duh. Listen to me. How many know love for the children is self-sacrificing as well? Love is, I mean, love is more than a feeling. I've had people tell me, listen to me for a moment. As a pastor, I've had people tell me that they are a very good mother or a very good father. And the fact of the matter is they're not. And the reason they weren't is because there was no action to back it up. Love, I have no doubt they love their children. But love is not enough to be a very good mother and a very good father. It takes love in action. It takes doing. It takes all the things that are in action, right? Love. You got to love your children. Well, I mean, the Bible says that we should discipline our children. If you want your children to rise to their glory, you got to discipline them, right? For the Lord, listen to what Proverbs says. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Discipline, correction. If you are not disciplining and correcting your child, you are not going to bring them to their glory. You can't. It's impossible. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. You do that instruction. You do it in correction. You do it, and listen to this verse. Thessalonians, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children. Come on. How many know exhortation goes a long way in our life? Encouragement goes a long way. How many of you as adults love it when somebody calls you up and encourages you? Encourage your children. Exhort your children. Implore them. Let me, let me say this. If, if you want to bring them to their glory, be present. Be present. There's nothing worse than a child who has a father that's not present. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about you being physically alive but not present in their life. Charles Francis Adams, he was the son of U.S. President John Quincy Adams. He was a diplomat to Great Britain. So was his father and his grandfather. On one occasion, this is what he wrote in his diary. Went fishing with my son today. Dash, a day wasted. His son Brooks wrote this entry in his journal on the same day. Went fishing with my father. The most wonderful day of my life. <laughs> oh, man. Be present. Let me tell you something we do here. They don't do it all the time, but we do it as a practice. There's been many times, or multiple times, where I've looked at Troy and I said, listen, get out of here. Jack's got a game. Get out of here. If we can't survive a Wednesday night without you, we're in bad shape. Go to the game. Go to the game. He's been nice. He's come in and he's, he's, led, he's led worship and got out of here for the game. That's where he belongs. That's where he should be. Pastor John, we've done the same thing. Right? Why? 
I, I, years ago when I started here, I, I took off Wednesday nights and different things, teaching and so forth. Why? To go to my son's game. Don't tell me it was more spiritual to be in church. No, it was more spiritual to be where my son was. If somebody else can't teach that night, we're in bad shape. I know, this goes against the grain of some people's upbringing. I'm not getting into this gig and losing my kids, losing my family. They're more important than this church. And I love this church. I love this church. If you will live to the glory of the children, you will live for the glory. They will, if you, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's easy for me to say. You will be the glory of the children if you will live for the glory of the children. Now, I'm getting ready to close. Say, please, the Lord. Here's what happens on messages like this. There's someone here today that says, what, what if I'm here today and I've messed up, messed it up my whole life? I messed it up because I wasn't living for the glory of the Father. I, I messed it up because I wasn't living for the glory of my bride. I messed it up because I wasn't living for the glory of my children. Uh, what if I'm here today and I have missed moments? I mean, we all have missed moments. But those missed moments that I can never get back. I've made bad decisions that have impacted my kids. I've made decisions my kids aren't proud of and there's no way they can be proud of. And you say, I can't go back and undo what I did. And you know what? That's the truth. How many know there are some things that we can't go back and we cannot change? That we cannot go back and undo? How many know we all have things that we would love to go back and pull the strings and rewind that sucker, right? Don't you wish you had a rewind button? And when you had a rewind button, you had an edit button. And you could edit that decision and you could edit that decision but you can't. What do you do in those moments? You say, I don't want to just preach this today and leave you in a place where, man, I, I, I didn't do that. I get into prayer and I said, well, Lord, what's the answer to that? And he took me to a man who did something he could not undo. It's a blemish on his life. We talk about him often. David. David's got a Bathsheba moment. He's on the roof. He looks down. He sees a naked woman. He wants to sleep with her. He does sleep with her. A baby's born. Baby dies. This is a scandal. It's a scandalous story. And he can't go back and do rewind. He can't go back and edit this thing. And we've been preaching it for thousands of years. What do I do? So I went to Psalm 51, which is a psalm of a man that couldn't go back and undo what he did. But listen to what he says. Be gracious to me, God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. How many know there's a place? Listen to me. Where do we start when we know we're the ones that messed it up? Where do we know? Where do we start? We start with an acknowledgement of it. How many know this morning we just look at God and say, God, I know. And we acknowledge it before him. We recognize it before him. We take ownership of it. Can we own it this morning? We own it. And then watch what he says a little bit later on in this verse. He's behold, you desire truth in my inmost being. In my hidden part, you make me know wisdom. Purify me, God, with hyssop. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. In other words, do a work in me now. I can't change what happened in the past. I would love to go back and change it, but I can't. But you cannot live with the guilt and the shame and the condemnation the rest of your life. Why? Because that is not what God wants for you. It is not how God wants you to live. Okay? He says, and put in me a steadfast spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now watch what he says. And then, then I will teach transgressors your way. Then I will teach out of my failure. Listen to me. There's times in our life where we can't go back and undo it. But we sure can teach somebody in the present not to do what I did in the past. And that's how God brings a divine purpose to something the enemy meant for evil. You see, God didn't lead David into that sin. God didn't make him sin. But I'm going to promise you something, that whenever you can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good, God can bring a divine purpose to it. All right? You're right. You can't live backwards, but you can live forward. You see, living with regret is different than living in condemnation. I mean, I have regrets over something. I got regrets. There's things I wish I could go back and undo, but I can't. Do I have regret? Yes. Do I have condemnation? No. Let me know condemnation is from the devil, not God. Right? Missed moments. Don't allow the regrets of missed moments to rob you of present moments. Listen to me this morning, men. You might have had a past missed moment, but I promise you the God of heaven has a present moment for you now. That he has a present moment for you. Don't allow the regret of missed moments to rob you of future moments. Well, I messed up 27 years ago. Nothing good can ever happen now. It's not the God I serve. It's not the God I serve. The Bible tells me that he who is in Christ is a new creation. Some are sitting in here this morning. Come on, Linz, Tabby, Seth, somebody, some instrumentalist. <laughs> I got like multiple ones up there. Dude, I didn't get the shorts memo and I'm ticked. I thought about calling him, but. <laughs> I went to warn him anyhow. His legs are nicer. Listen to me for a minute. Just a few moments, we're going to call you guys up. We have a gift for your fathers today. We want to give you, we want to pray over you, we want to bless you. But there are some here today, you heard the message, and some of you got angry. You became angry because you were those who had a father you couldn't take pride in. He was one that maybe didn't live for the glory of God. He, he didn't live for mom's glory. He lived for his own glory. He didn't live for your glory. He lives here. Maybe you're saying, yeah, he was a selfish jerk. He abused me. He abused my mother. He didn't provide. He wasn't present. He rejected me. Let me tell you something. You're not the rejection of your father. No. That is the fruit of his rejection of God. Before he rejected you, he rejected God's. He rejected God's plan. 
The sin against you is first a sin against God. All sin is a sin against God first and humanity second. The abuse of a child is first a sin against God. The abuse of a mother is first sin against God. It doesn't happen if a man's living for the glory of God. And you're here going, and some of you, dad's dead. But let me say this to you. Don't allow the imperfections of your earthly father to cause you to miss the perfection of your heavenly father. I can't tell you what it is to have a father who was a jerk. If you want to know that, ask Tony. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is to have a father who didn't provide. I, I can't tell you what it is to have a father who was abusive. I, I didn't have that. I had a good dad. I had a good mom. I can't tell you that. What I can tell you this morning is even as good as your father is, he's not God. And as bad as your father is, that's not God either. Don't throw the imperfections of your father on a perfect God. And I promise you this morning that if you will just say, God, heal my heart. I promise you he'll heal your heart. I promise you that. You see, I think there's something innate about every one of us children that we want to brag about our dad. We want to be able to talk well about our dad. And yet, you say, I got nothing to speak well of him about. Well, when you can't boast about your earthly father, boast about your heavenly father. Boast the one who binds up the brokenhearted. Boast about the one who gives you oil of joy. Boast about the one that you can feel and sense his presence when you need to feel and sense his presence. You, you, you may be dealing with a wound handed to you by your father. You may be dealing with the pain inflicted by one who shouldn't have caused that pain. And I can't tell you, it's, I, I can't say to you this morning, suck it up, buttercup, and get over it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But what I can tell you is that your Heavenly Father cares. And I can tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to work inside of you to bring healing. And I can tell you there is healing. And I can tell you He can give you tears of joy even when you've had tears of pain. That I can tell you. And then you can boast about your dad who healed your heart. Father, this morning, we want to view you through your perfection, not the imperfection of our earthly fathers. If our earthly father was abusive, you are the opposite of that. You are not abusive. If he was a tyrant, that is not you. 
if he was angry all the time, that is not you. If he rejected us, that is not you. So Father, in this house, I'm gonna call us men to the high calling of being the image of the Father, the glory of the Father. What an awesome privilege. What an awesome honor. So incredibly cool. And so we would say this morning, thank you for that calling. Come on, dads, you're in the house, come join me. Come on up here and join me. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna give you a gift. We got a gift for you. We got some stuff for you. We, we wanna pray over you. We wanna bless you. Come on, don't be shy. Be like the women on Mother's Day when they get that flower. Come on, come close. Come to the steps close. Everybody always shies away from the steps. You saw we brought June up here this morning. We didn't bite anybody, right? She made it back. Peter's going to come as well. He's going to bless. He's going to pray as well. Uh, let me tell you what I got for you this year, all right? We, we were talking about this at the office, and we said, man, what are we going to, you know, every year, every year, what are we going to get the guys? The moms are pretty easy. And we're going to get the guys. I said, you know what? Listen, we, not one more guy needs one more trinket. We don't need one more keychain. We don't need one more button. Hi, David. We don't need one more Taiwanese toolkit. <laughs> okay? We don't even need what you're getting. But it's still good. <laughs> this is a coupon for Powerhouse Subs. All right? And this will get you a six-inch sub, a bag of chips, and a drink, which you will promptly probably give to your grandchild. All right? But like, I says, who does, who, tell me a man that doesn't like a sub, or like at least be able to go get a free one, right? I mean, I know some of you, some of you are cheap, you're like already drooling. I'm just kidding. Well, we're gonna give one of these to you. We, we love you, we honor you. But I wanna take a few moments before we give these out. And I, I really want to pray over you. And I want Peter to pray over you. And, you know, some of you here, you've been through some garbage, some crap, some junk. But I want to say this to you. Some of you have been like Gideon hiding in a wine press. And, and the wine press has been a place of safety and security, protection, from whatever it is. And you've been kind of hiding in there and taking solace in there. But God's coming along and saying this, God is with you, mighty warrior. It's time to get out of the wine press. It's time to get out of the wine press. Oh, the blessing that came to Gideon when he got out of the wine press. Oh, the blessing that came to Gideon when he got out of the wine press. Now, one of the things he had to do when he got out of that wine press is he had to take a bull and he had to destroy daddy's altar. Daddy built some altars that weren't of God. He built some altars that were an abomination to God. And sometimes we got some things in our life that say, you know what? That gotta go. That, that gotta go. That was dad's and it's not okay. That was dad's and it's okay if it's in my life too. No, it's not. It got to go. It got to go. We're going to tear it down. Get rid of it. But there's Gideons in this room this morning. But God's saying, come on. Come on. Come out of that wine press. Because listen to me. 
when you're in the wine press, you're hiding, but what you're hiding is the glory of God that He designed for you to reveal. And you're hiding the image that He has designed for you to reveal. Get out of the wine press and live as the glory of God. Peter. Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press, and the scripture says it was because of fear. May the fear be broken so you can get out of the wine press. 26 years ago, we came to the United States, and I, we didn't have many resources. We lived in the city of Miami, and we didn't have any money to speak of. We just didn't. Everything was very tightly. And I used to travel and speak, and so I always used to have some Tic Tacs. And the kids were told not to, have, not to eat your father's Tic Tacs because I used to take them with me when I was preaching and I was done preaching and prayed for people and I didn't want people to fall under the power of my breath. I wanted them to fall under the power of God. So I, I, I had my Tic Tacs. And I remember one of my kids was, my youngest child was um, having a bad day. And one day I gave her one Tic Tac. And she talks about, to this day, she talks about that day that she saw some benevolence, albeit only a Tic Tac's worth, from her father, that I would break the rule and give her a Tic Tac. I say that to you because I'm asking God to give everyone in this house a Tic Tac memory. You may have had a difficult situation in which you were raised, but I tell you, probably most of us can remember something good that happened one day, one time. And if you can't, I, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm asking God to reveal himself Bryce, my son-in-law, who most, some of you know, left here uh, two weeks ago and went, moved to Indiana. His father, his, his biological father, um, was killed on Friday. And uh, he had no relationship with his biological father, hasn't seen him in years. You can imagine, and to complicate the matter is, the, 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 the situation, uh, his biological mother was there with them in Indiana and so you know it was kind of some bad things being said about his biological and he's dealing with all those emotions and one of the things I'm praying for is that Bryce will have a tic-tac memory of something good he can remember about his father that'll bring healing to his heart I'm telling you, God can do that. He can restore to you memories. He can restore to you memories of when you were two years old and somebody held you and coddled you and gooed in your eyes and said how beautiful you were. He can restore those kind of memories and bring back a tic-tac memory. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're helping us today. And Lord, as positive and upbeat as this message was, and it was that, it wasn't a, a slam father's message and all the things that fathers can and possibly do wrong. It wasn't that. But as positive as it was, for some it was so difficult because there are some memories that are everything but a tic-tac memory. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'd give every man in this place who's hurting or wounded or every individual in this room, uh, uh, whether male or female, young or old, uh, Father still alive or, or Father long deceased, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would by your grace give them memories of a Father who maybe only once or twice or three times or ten times showed any kind of affection or love, but you'd give them a memory of that so they could see that not only as just a reflection of their Father, but as an extension of you as the Heavenly Father. 
into their lives. Father, I rejoice in the memories that many of us have by the thousands of the good things our Father did for us and with us and to us and despite us. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, do that. And, Father, I speak prophetically over the men of this room, and I say in Jesus' name, you'll leave this place today and leave a memory with somebody else. It might be your children, your, 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 your spouses. It might be uh, somebody else's children. It might be a nephew or a niece or a grandchild or a neighbor's kid, but you will be a father figure to somebody else. For the Scripture says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will be a father to you. Father, I pray that we will be a distinct people fathering our children, our grandchildren, every generation till Jesus comes. And we'll, live the, we'll leave the image of the Heavenly Father upon somebody else's life. And Lord, we will be that iconic individual. We will be, we will be what the Eastern churches call the iconoclasts. We will be the iconoclasts to others. They will see us as a representation of the real thing. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You know, sometimes you don't get the do-over, but sometimes you do. There's sometimes you get to play a fatherly role in somebody's life. You know, uh, Jojo, come here. Bring, bring your friend. Come here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so we wanted to come up and recognize Seth and Dave for all they've done for us over the past year and over the years. Um, sure. Seth, oh my gosh. I'll start with Dave first. Dave, I have met you when I first came to seventh, well, no, came to the door when, during seventh grade, and you have opened me with open arms, and I am beyond thankful that I have met you in my entire life. You have made me so much stronger as a person and made me see the brighter side of things, and I'm just thankful, and you have been like a fatherly figure to me and everything, and I'm so thankful for you. Seth, <laughs> I don't know where to start with you. Um, when I met you, I'm like, who is this red-haired man coming up to me saying, hey, I'm Seth, and I'm like, I don't trust him. <laughs> but throughout the years, I've just now came to realize that I just now start to trust you, and you mean so much to me, and you've helped me through so many things that I have not been able to conquer through myself, and you have been the father figure to me because my father was not great for me and my family, and you have helped me become stronger and happier and seen brighter things for my future, and I am beyond thankful, and I love both of you very, very much. Okay. Um, 
um, Dave, oh my, we, we go back very far. I, I just remember the first time you walking into the door and you being like, I remember holding you as a baby and then now seeing the door like completely different, it was just amazing. And you guys just like, you guys were always there for me and I wanna thank you so much for that. Even whenever I was a baby, you guys still cared. And thank you so much, Dave. Seth, oh my gosh. I'm speechless. Whenever I first met you at camp, I was like, we were chill and then you started coming to the door and that's when we started to really have a good relationship like friendship wise and then just over the past few months I've had the most roughest part of my walk with God and you've been there by my side and you just I'm still amazed I always like almost every day look back at the video on April 7th of you baptizing me and it it means a lot to know that you're there for me you Tabby Dave Mama G and I want to thank you for being such a good father figure to me because my dad all he does is sit in his room just having fun I don't know how else to put it really I'm sitting there playing video games getting high and never really there for me. So thank you, Seth. You know, when you're, it's kind of funny, we were honoring Russell Williams' daughter earlier. And when you teach kids to give honor, you got to give them a chance to give honor. And, um, you know, what you're hearing is a couple of the kids, that's just two of the ones that come from the door and that Dave and Seth and they all minister to on a weekly basis, daily basis in, in Bellwood, that a place where kids come get love and you hear some of the situations and they're being mentored and they're being loved and they're getting dinner. Listen to me. It's just not the door. There's many of you who do that on Wednesday nights here. There's many of you who do it when you drive in a van. You're becoming the father to the fatherless. And you're mentoring and you're loving and I commend you. I commend you. And I, and I say to you, see it. You know, and, and when you see some of these kids here sometimes, before you jump to conclusions, you might want to know their backgrounds. There's Jojo, man. She got baptized a couple months ago. She's a bouncing ball of energy. Okay. She's going to be a bouncing ball of energy for the Lord. Okay. And so, just, it's a special thing to hear. Father, seal this day. Seal this day in the hearts of the dads. They are the glory of the Father. They are the glory of their sons and their daughters. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have a great day. I'm going home and watch golf. ha. <laughs>